This is essential. 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 This is essential audio. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Walk Podcast. My name's Alex Brownsell, and I'm the head of content for Walk Media. Today, we're going to be talking about Generation Z. It's a potentially hugely lucrative audience, estimated at around 2.5 billion people globally. But Gen Z media habits are unique, and reaching them can be a major challenge for brands and marketers. Today, I'm joined by Katrina Deer, who heads up entertainment at the Seven Stars Agency in London, and Alia Gilmore, a strategist at Singapore-based agency Culture Group. But first, before we get into the discussion, we're going to hear from Celeste Wang, a data journalist at Walk Media and co-author of a new global ad trends report called Finding Gen Z. Celeste, first things first, before we sort of go into the details of the report, how are we defining this generation? Because obviously age ranges tend to vary depending on which sort of companies you talk to. What's our definition for Gen Zs? Thanks, Alex, for the question. I think that's a very fair question and very important to ask up front. So commonly agreed in the industry to be those aged between 13 to 25, essentially people who were born after 1997 and before 2010. In this report, our focus is on the Gen Z consumers aged 16 or older, mostly 16 to 24. I think it's also important to appreciate the fact that age isn't the only factor determining consumer behaviors. However, Walk's analysis do indicate that the year someone was born remains a useful and crucial indicator of their channel and platform preferences. Thanks. I, I think that's a really important point to make, really, that we're not saying that all people of this age group are exactly the same. And, and obviously, there are a lot of other circumstances, you know, geography, affluence that are going to have an impact. But we do think that it seems to, to, to indicate potentially certain trends. So um, let's get into those then. What, what are some of the key findings that we made in the report? Yeah, first of all, I think the report found that digital channels digital channel account for two-thirds of Gen Z's total media consumption. I want to first give you a number. The number is 68%, higher than all the other adult age groups that Walk analyzed. So to paraphrase this, basically this means that two-thirds of Gen Z's media consumption goes online, affirming the popular belief that they are truly digital natives. And I think when we look at the absolute total consumption terms, however, Quite surprisingly is that Gen Z lags behind its 25 to 34 counterparts. So another figure I can give you is that forecasted by 2023, 25 to 34 will consume in total 14 hours of media on average per day, while 13 hours for the 60 and 24 cohort. I think this shortfall in consumption by the younger generation, younger age group can be seen across all channels at a global level with the exception of social media and music streaming, which are the two channels um, I'm going to talk about later. And even in the case of digital media innovation, it seems that millennials are spending more time each day with online TV streaming, podcasts, and games consoles. So that's quite a surprising finding. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly going to uh, defy any expectations that the younger you get, the more people are kind of glued to digital content, that that doesn't necessarily seem to be borne out in, in the data. But let's get on to social media then, because I'm guessing that's one of the, the channels where Gen Z really is leading the way in terms of consumption. Yeah, definitely. I think across all the regions that walk analyzed in this report, social media tops the rankings as the most consumed channel among Gen Z, of course. 
It is also forecasted that in 2023, the daily average time spent on this channel will be reaching 177 minutes. So that's almost three hours per day. Of course, when we look at the volume of social usage, it varies depending on the region we're looking at. Latin America, on average, consumes more, most social media, consume more than the rest of the regions and countries, while China and the Asia Pacific are well below the global average line. Walk Media data also revealed that the growth in time spent with social media among 16 to 24 has plateaued since 2017. So that's also a bit surprising. So Gen Z are spending a lot of time on social media, the channel, but the growth, the speed of the growth has slowed down. We see rising competition within the social media landscape where apps like TikTok and Be Real grow exponentially. Nearly 40% of TikTok's worldwide Advertising audience is aged between 18 to 24. That is 421 million. And I think all users, so there's a, the data show that all users on average spend as high as 95 minutes per day on the app on TikTok. That's as long as a full movie. Yeah, it's, it's a long time. And I think we could probably take an educated guess that the average use time each day for, for Gen Z is going to be higher than it is for all users. So um, TikTok's definitely got a huge part to play here. Social media aside, what, what are the other channels that we, we're seeing in terms of a high amount of Gen Z consumption? Online audio definitely is one. So online audio in general here, we define it as um, the combination of music streaming and podcasts. It's definitely one category that's getting big growth momentum. One surprising find from the Gen Z report is that Gen Z's digital audio consumption has passed their video consumption, and the gap will only be getting bigger. It will be 45 minutes um, in 2023. So they will spend 45 minutes more on the digital audio per day than they spent on video. And also, we have data from Spotify where they reported a 40% year-on-year growth in podcast listenership among Gen Z. We also tend to see many channels with underdeveloped ad propositions gaining popularity among the Gen Zs, such as gaming, where it's reported that Gen Z spent 11 hours per week on gaming, and the 16 to 20 year old are more likely to download free-to-play mobile apps compared to, you know, the next age cohort we've been mentioning, which is 25 to 34. So I think it's clear that Gen Z media habits have their own characteristics. And we believe to some extent they are also the epitome of the generation themselves. So I hope through this data and trends I just shared, this report could help marketers and you navigate in the media world when they try to reach and engage Gen Z. Thanks, Celeste. Some, some really interesting insights in there. And so Walk Media subscribers are able to read the report on the website. And there's also a sample report for, for those that aren't subscribers to take a look at as well. Okay, let's let's get straight into the discussion then on some of the topics and the, some of the you know numbers you've just heard. Katrina, from your perspective, how does Gen Z differ from some of those older audience groups that that you come across? I think it's not just around the platforms that they're spending time on. Obviously, the report has really established that there are some clear differences there, but it's actually just thinking about how they're utilizing those platforms, what their behaviors are, and ultimately kind of what the need states at different platforms are answering. I think that's kind of the key difference. I don't know if that's something that you agree with, Adia. I'm currently reeling from what you said about the Gen Z screen time on TikTok. And while that was being discussed by Celeste, I looked at my phone because I'm 23 and I have 
three and a half hours logged on TikTok daily as a concurrent thing that's going on. So yeah, just as an aside, that is 100% correct. We're all on TikTok constantly. But in terms of how like we differ from older audiences, I think, I mean, we've grown up on these platforms. Like these are our spaces um, and we understand how they work really, really well. So we know exactly what we're looking for when we're on there. So it's exactly as you said, it's not the platform, it's how we use it. I thought it was um, quite interesting, actually, the point Celeste was making around, are we seeing a plateau in terms of the actual growth of time spent on social media? But I wonder if there's something in the fact that when you think about the age of maturity for that group, we, we're just coming at a point where there aren't new Gen Zs coming into that social media ecosystem. So when you think a lot of the platforms talk about age 13 is the the point that you're you're meant to you're meant to start using them so there isn't necessarily you know the next part of that cohort in gen z it might just be that we, we're kind of exhausting that that audience potential i think also there's the whole we know it's not good for us a lot of gen z let's just say we spend too much time on social media we know we spend too much time on social media our parents tell us that our teachers tell us that but here we are so there is obviously, there's a point where we come to is that we physically can't stay on the app for much longer because you do, you realize that, oh, I've just closed the tab on my laptop and I've opened a tab on my phone. And there is that recognition that you're getting a bit burnt out from screen time. Let's dig into that a little bit more there. What you're saying is, is Gen Z is, it's the most digitally savvy age group there's ever been. As an audience, it's kind of grown up with not necessarily grown up with TikTok, but I suppose TikTok's a bit newer, but has certainly grown up with social media and certainly grown up with all of, you know, the mobile technology. Do you see that that changes the way that media is consumed by this group versus people who, such as a wizard millennial, such as myself, who remembers these these products and these these platforms arriving when I was already a bit older? I think that is definitely the case. I think what's really interesting is that Gen Z as a generation are much more likely to not just be the consumers, but actually the creators that are populating and driving the content that exists on all of these channels. I think that increasingly there is a dialogue where people talk around social platforms shifting to being entertainment platforms. Actually, when you look into that relationship with Gen Z and how they're using it, I think the kind of key element to all of the platforms that are really successful is that they are genuinely really social. So there's community, there's conversation, there's curation, but there's also a lot of creation that you don't see in older groups. I think that's particularly interesting. When you flip back to kind of the early days of social media and the early kind of MS-DOS style version of Facebook, it was all about kind of one-to-one social connection. You then saw this rise of brands doing a lot of telling on the platform. The difference when you see platforms like TikTok is the creators are they're much more representative of wider Gen Z, of understanding that they're not just telling, but they're a representation of all of the different kind of like mosaics of their personalities. So it feels that it's not a kind of broadcast relationship, but it's actually much more of a two-way exchange. I completely agree with that. There was a period, I don't know if you remember, in the mid-2010s, where a lot of brands would have Twitter beef with each other. And they would like role play with each other. And if brands try and do that now, there will always be a Gen Z in the comments just going hyper self-aware, being like, silence. I know you're marketing to me. 
But you don't get that kind of response when you're on TikTok and YouTube and it's a brand actively supporting a creator that these um, that Gen Z really care about. It's a really interesting way to see how if you respect what they love and their community and their space and you give them more ways to interact with it as a brand, then they're not going to send a meme in your comment section pulling you down. Community is a, is a word that gets thrown around a lot when we're talking about Gen Z. Ali, could you describe to us what we're talking about here, you know, and, and, and how some of those communities, I guess, work in, in a social media and an online context? Gen Z are, from the bottom of my heart, I love them. I am them. But we are the rats of the internet. We are absolutely everywhere. So we will find the community we want regardless of platform because hashtags are so niche now. So you can really find what you're looking for. Say I'm super into BBC Sherlock circa 2012. I can type that into Twitter. I can type that into TikTok. I can type that into Instagram and I will find exactly what I'm looking for, the community that I want. And I'll just slide into DMs and start talking. There's no shame. There's no fear. Everyone is everywhere and everyone's open to interacting with each other. I feel like that's almost one of the things that is most terrifying to brands because, you know, we love to be able to put people into a really nice box that's really kind of clear how to talk to someone, who to talk to, sometimes actually not enough time taken on how to talk to someone and thinking of Gen Z as some homogenous group. But I think the reality is and one of the things that is so challenging is as a group, you're really disparate in terms of all of your individual kind of niche interests and kind of micro communities that I think that is almost the marketeer's challenge. Yeah, I was just talking with one of my colleagues the other day about how he couldn't wrap his head around the fact that he knew this Gen Z who one day would be wearing punk clothes and the next day would be wearing like coquette clothes and the next day would be in 2014 Tumblr core apparently back in the 90s you guys picked an aesthetic and just stuck with it whereas like we're just going through that we're running the whole gamut i couldn't do that i i don't understand the idea of sticking to one thing personally as a gen z we do quite a lot of work with music clients and a lot of research in that space and i think one of the things that is always really interesting about music is it tends to come first it's always kind of the leading edge of culture so a lot of these behaviors you actually see as shifts that happen in music discovery and what we've really seen in the research that we do is this shift from a really tribal relationship with music which is exactly what you were talking about that we would align ourselves musically in fashion with one really clear genre so you kind of might be punk or whatever it is but actually the reality now is that music listening is much more mosaic so it's based on moods moments just kind of like different feelings and drawing out certain elements of your personality and obviously that's really extended in terms of fashion. So I think that idea of the kind of mosaic identity and, and almost kind of the constituent parts rather than just this one kind of aligned identity is something that is, is definitely kind of common to our understanding of Gen Z. So the, the notion of, of tribes, which is a word that I think I, I used to see in a lot of press releases and a lot of research from the industry 10 to 15 years ago, that doesn't really matter so much with, with younger consumers now that they don't sort of fit into those boxes anymore. I don't think so. I think we're a lot more amorphous. There's, there's so much 
You're 23 and you've got literally the entire universe in your back pocket in the form of your phone. You can be anyone to anyone on social media, on TikTok. You just type in the hashtag what you're interested in. There's no reason to limit yourself. And I think brands really have to pay attention to just that fact. Like you're not going to be able to target Gen Z on one thing and just get all of them. You're going to have to branch out and go for hyper niche because otherwise they're going to, they're just going to forget about it. It's not going to stick with them. Let's move on to platforms and let's address 10 ton gorilla in the room. And, and that's TikTok, which is such an important platform when you are talking to a Gen Z audience. What has TikTok done to media consumption and trends that, that is so important when it comes to this audience group? Alia, do you want to get us started? I love TikTok. TikTok has made it so easy to make trends, find trends, be the trendsetter. Like before... Apparently, you guys had to read magazines for things to find out what was cool. But um, on TikTok, I could be the coolest person in the world tomorrow. It's really democratized the creative process. It's made everyone um, the next coolest person. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, I just want to add on to that. I think the fact that a lot of the generation are searching, they use TikTok as Google, the new Google. Um, the new search engine, you find not only brands, you find answer to from like what to wear next day, where's the best Mexican food to the universe question. Uh, when would I find the love of my life? So you literally can search anything on TikTok. And I think that really empowers, you know, both the creator and the user and definitely help build the community on the platform. I think that's so true and it's a really interesting challenge for other platforms in terms of how they might get back more share of that Gen Z time or whether even potentially can. So I think five, six, seven years ago, we were talking about even though there was a proliferation of the number of apps, it felt like everyone wanted to build an app. The reality was that your phone screen could have a certain number of apps on there and was essentially like a gateway in terms of how to take your time and therefore essentially you know how potentially to take the advertising revenue as well but the reality now is that for this generation tiktok is that gateway and is increasingly becoming the one-stop shop and actually i say shop because obviously you know what's really interesting is these audiences are buying which is something that i still see marketeers really struggle to get their head around yeah we, we've definitely seen that that shift towards combining content and, and, and commerce in, in the same place. And do, do you feel like TikTok is, is the, the platform that's, that's kind of cracked it the best? I know, I know Meta have pushed their, you know, Instagram and Facebook in this direction. Everybody's looking at it, let's be honest. Uh, but do you think TikTok are, are kind of have done the best job so far? Yeah. The amount of times that I've watched a TikTok video and gone, oh, that's a product. I can have that. Oh, nice. Oh, I have to go to like six links to find your shop less nice. And so now they've just integrated it. So it, you're able to see people's reactions to it, how it works in real time. And that's, that's this brilliant thing about TikTok. It's video. So you get to see exactly how it would look as it would look in the real world without particularly, without much staging. It's really authentic and it's fun. And then it lets you buy into that. Looking beyond TikTok, if, if that's possible, 
Where are the other sort of key platforms for, for for Gen Z audience? I mean, I think, you know, once upon a time, Snapchat was considered to be pretty important, Instagram, but are we, are we moving now? Actually, it's towards newer platforms, things like Be Real that are going to be much more important. I think there will always be a new platform that has importance. Just when you think about younger audiences generally, you're much more active rather than passive in terms of your consumption. You have kind of a perception of time. You have that kind of curiosity that means that you want to lean in, you want to create. So I think these audiences are really, really powerful to the rise of these platforms because they're not just the ones that are kind of consuming some of the content, but they're the ones actually powering the proliferation of the content by creating. That means that you see these big spikes and you're kind of looking for what the next big thing is. And then it's kind of um, brand conversation around what is the opportunity? Do we go in early? I think there is an opportunity on that, but it's one that has to be much more self-policed because otherwise it can really annoy these audiences. Yeah, one that I've seen completely through me, actually, Substack is up and coming, like the newsletter subscription service. Gen Z love that. There's a guy, Mike Kirkland, he's put the entirety of Dracula into a newsletter format and you get sent one chapter of Dracula a day and Gen Z are eating it up. Like they're on TikTok reacting to it. They're making memes. They're making essays, everything. Because it's this sort of, it's social media, right? It's bare bones. It's participating in this one thing. It's sort of 15 minutes of your day where you can read and feel productive. And it's sort of slow media with the added benefit of a community. So if you want to know a hot and coming platform, newsletter substacks, absolutely. I love that. That's almost going back to the kind of Victorian serialization of, uh, of, of novels. It's, you know, really going back to the future. I feel like there's something interesting around whether in a world where everything is on demand and immediately accessible, whether there will become like a brain need state for your appointment to view. So it won't be in the same way that it used to be, but that sense of feeling a shared connection of all doing something of substance at the same time. And it kind of having that moment of obviously something like going into your email inbox is like the kind of the drop moment, basically. And that's sort of what Wordle was for a bit. I mean, everyone just sort of sat around, did Wordle the whole time and just chatted about it. I mean, my friends are, were super into Wordle. I find it interesting that when you shared the story just now about the Substack, that you, you, you mentioned something, you saw the trend where people are reacting on TikTok. Does that mean the channels are actually connected in a way, in a certain way that to be able to promote a new channel, a new social app, you actually still rely on the existing, or here in this case, TikTok, as it's still the dominant force. How do you see that? I think it links back to the hashtag thing. You know what your community is. You know how you'll find... I know I'll find someone interested to, in Dracula Daily anywhere on the internet. I just have to know how to find them. Since it's sort of my age group's playground, we know how to find them, and we just go into any social media and type it in. I agree. And I think I think it was actually your colleague made the point in the report where sometimes brands are so caught up on the platform being the strategy, but actually it's time to step back and be really audience first and think, what need 
is the platform answering? So I think there is an understanding that different platforms answer different needs, that through the sense of community, through that conversation, it's really natural to feel like, okay, but this is going to be the better place to go for finding more information out about this particular niche, for example. And I think you really see that in music discovery. So it's definitely an interesting space to watch, but the behavior is that TikTok is part of that discovery journey. So might be the kind of initial thing that helps you discover that artist, but then actually it's a really normal behavior for younger audiences to then go onto Spotify to actually go and consume the track in full or, you know, to go and interact directly with the artist, their own website, with merch, loads of different things. So there's a much richer ecosystem. And I think different platforms play a different role. Almost for me, the interesting thing is that is the kind of uh, failing in the strategy between lots of social channels just trying to emulate each other because instead of like actually thinking about the genuine kind of need and kind of how that might arise to have a different use, they're just too busy trying to copy each other's homework. Just quickly like to dwell on the on the audio side of things. We talked a lot about visual media, but um, one of the, the most interesting trends that we saw in the data is that you know consumption of social media and uh, even like online video and things like that have, have been pretty consistent for the last five six years bit of an increase but but not huge what has increased as a sort of new media consumption moment is audio streaming it's podcast listening it's music streaming is it that that i don't know gen z are able to fit this into parts of their day that where they're not doing things like watching tiktok or i don't know it fits around their work routines or what why is that behavior so marked among this age group do you think personally i think it's genuine like, social media burnout so i mentioned that it's you're on social media a lot. It's a lot of your day. You're also, you're looking at the age group, you're in school, you're in uni, you're looking at a screen for nine hours and then you go home and then you look at a slightly differently sized screen. For a lot of people my age, I've heard that they just, they love podcasts. They love listening to podcasts. They love listening to music because it lets them sort of shut their eyes and decompress for a little bit and not have to stare at a screen for too long again. And then they refresh and can go back to looking at TikTok. I totally agree. And I also think, it's nothing new that young audiences love discovering music. Like music is the soundtrack to our lives. It helps us emote. It helps us kind of feel our emotions, helps us share them. It creates a sense of community and bonding. So it's only natural that we're going to see a continued rise in terms of that listening because now that listening just happens in a digital place you know predominantly spotify other others in in the space as well so i think there's naturally a rise towards that i definitely think there's something in that kind of panacea um to just constant video screen kind of stimulation for your eyes actually that burnout effect wanting something that's audio only i know in spotify's recent report they talked about how the breadth of content that's been listened to by Gen Z is is much broader. So again, coming back to that idea that they're much more multifaceted in terms of their identity rather than tribal, both in their music alignment, but also in things like exploring their mental health through listening to mental health podcasts, for instance. I think that's really interesting. And that naturally, just because podcasts are relatively nascent, I think that's where you will see a lot of growth, but it will just be off of a different base versus when you're looking at music listening, which is much more established. Okay, well, let's move on to the final point, and that's how all of this ultimately impacts brands and impacts media planning and media strategy. 
Do you think that brands are getting it right at the minute? And if not, how do you think they, they need to readjust their approach? Katrina? I think there's a mix. I think there's some that are doing it really well. I think there are plenty who aren't. I think that there is still very much a tendency to think too much brand first and you know what's the thing that I want to say what's the thing I want to tell this audience to get them to buy my product it's very me 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 when actually brands maybe need to hit reverse so instead of just trying to tell their story and then get young people on board to kind of have a relationship with their product like think about role can their product play for the audience moving forward I think that brands get really frightened whenever uh, you use the authenticity word because I think it doesn't sound very tangible and that if you're not careful that leads to some of the biggest turnoffs where you just have brands kind of wanting to go down a route that is seen as either greenwashing or you know just everything which is just about the announcement but you know they're talking the talk but are they really walking the walk whereas actually you can see some brands that really understand that actually maybe how they tap into the audience and feeling really authentic is by thinking about what they stand for as a brand and how that might align with the audience rather than just immediately going down that product first route. Yeah, I completely agree. It's for Gen Z, it's like how do brands understand you and ultimately respect you? If you feel like you're being respected by a brand and not just being used as like a cool wash image, like, oh, teens love us, we must be cool. It makes a huge difference to be reached out to as a consumer, as a Gen Z, and both like as a marketer, understanding it, being reached out to by a brand who's saying, this is what I can offer you to get more of what you love. I can support a creator that you like. I can give you more access to this thing that you want. That's a marked difference to a brand that's just, as you said, greenwashing or virtue signaling just for Gen Z to jump on the bandwagon. If I could put both of you on on the spot, are there any brands that you think are doing a really good job in their marketing to Gen Z? And if you want to, any that you think are doing a terrible job? (laughs) Although I suspect you're less likely to tell me that. I love Twitter, personally. I'm really into what Twitter's doing. They really understand their demographic, which is a lot of K-pop, a lot of music fans. The way that they speak to these these consumers, the way they understand their language, it's, I find it really, just really great reading how much Twitter respects the Gen Z that live on their platform. Probably a specific activation I have in mind was something that I saw from Gymshark, which I'm absolutely not the target audience for. And I really should be, um, I should kind of do some exercise personally, but I digress. And I think what's really interesting for me looking in, I think of Gymshark as probably slightly terrifying because it's lots of kind of very fit people. That was pretty much my assumption around them as a brand. But what was really interesting was when you look into the kind of ethos and mission behind them as a business, they actually really put a high focus on mental health and the relationship of exercise there. So the end result of what they had as brand activation was essentially a barbershop. So aimed at men, it was called Deload. And I think what was so interesting about it was this really plays into something that's authentic, but it's something that wasn't just addressed as kind of a standalone 
kind of like activation that wasn't backed up by kind of how the brand behaves, but actually was understanding this insight around, particularly for men, there's difficulty around talking about mental health, that there tends to be a relationship between when you're in that barbershop space, conversations naturally start to happen. So tying those two things together, being a space that they really authentically, naturally play in, and that being their activation. So nothing on the face of it about gym clothes but that's something that really shifted kind of the the relationship with the brand that reminds me of um i think wattpad did an activation recently with maybelline i don't know if you know about wattpad they're like a fiction writing platform kids love it 14 to 24 year olds like they live there it's insane i'm somewhat terrified of the cool young kids on wattpad but they did a storytelling thing where they would just get to write about their mental health and share it with their community and get support and it's this it's so wonderful seeing this space that people turn to to create develop a community that's just full of just these are kids it's like it's childlike wonder like bonding everyone together it's it's really wonderful to see i absolutely love that but again that comes down to understanding the audience like as a platform it is a place where people create and share stories that's the whole premise behind it so that's just the perfect kind of activation for maybelline rather than actually you know trying to talk about lipstick or something like that as somebody who's who's made his entire profession out of the written word, I'm excited to hear that Gen Z are still into writing and it's not all about video as well. But anyway, that's just me. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you to Alia, to Katrina and to Celeste. Just a reminder, if you'd like to read the latest global ad trends report, Finding Gen Z, go to walk.com or speak to your walk contact and we can provide you with a sample report. Make sure that you subscribe to the Walk podcast so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening.